Good afternoon, Twelvers. Um, let it go. <laughs> Guys, uh, sorry about the aircon. Uh, you know how they say they can take our power, but they cannot take the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It lives within us. They can take our power, but the power of the Holy Spirit lives within us. Um, so last week, oh, sorry, two weeks ago, if you can remember, we had our birthday celebrations. And uh, we ask you to come out and get dressed up in pairs and come and enjoy the day with us. And we made an announcement and we said, well, the winners will receive a prize. So after weeks of deliberating about who the winners is, there were so many. We were sitting and wondering, now who is going to be the winner? We prayed about it and the Lord says, it's in your hands, decide. <laughs> We have fight about it. We argue about it. But the Lord has come through for us. So it was with our finalists that we have um, between these two couples. We decided this is to our two winning couples. But obviously, we cannot all be winners, right? There must be a winner amongst us. So we decided that this is our winning couple. Are you guys here? Can we give them a hand? Thank you so much for coming out and just to support us. If you can come forward, we've got a prize for you. We've got your winning prize here with us today. Are you here? Not yet. All right. Cool. Then we've got... They forfeit. All right. Pastor Lareko, I think you and Kolo was the second. Yeah, you were, the, you were a group. Yeah. <laughs> no? All right, so... So our, our second uh, couple, the, the group that have won, are you guys here? You are upcoming winners, or our second, second winners. Where are you? Come, please, come and fetch your, please come and fetch your gift. Friends, this is what we do. We, we celebrate family. Well done, guys. Thank you for coming out and embrace being family, that you came dressed up and that you partake in that great event. This is how we build community. This is what church is supposed to be. It needs to be fun. God made it to be fun. Man, when He called us to walk with Him, He wants to have joy with us. There's joy unspeakable, the Bible says, that we receive from the Lord. And in that relationship, we brings it into family. Our family has also got their traditions and values. And, uh, oh, sorry, I'm going the wrong way with the thing. Uh, first time that I'm working with this slide thingy. All right, so please bear with me. Have patience with me this morning or this afternoon. Um, we're still on our, in week four of our sermon series. We're going into week five of what on earth I'm a year for. And uh, we have looked in week one, we have looked, called to be loved by Christ. And Paul Mannering has uh, dealt with, or he spoke to us about how God has been in our past, our present, and our future. And all matters to God. He is interested in all of us. And then um, we are called to belong to Christ. And Pastor Simon have just Share with us the value of family. And then in week three, uh, Pastor Lareko has shared last week to become like Christ. We are called to become like Christ. 
And um, this week, or today, we will look at called to serve like Christ. And then next week, we will look at called to go with Christ on His mission. When I looked at this, and I was praying about what am I going to speak to you about today, the Lord has led me to Ephesians. And why did I choose Ephesians to speak to you about? Ephesians is one of the letters that Paul wrote, and it's a very formal kind of letter. More formal than Galatians and 2 Corinthians, where Paul kind of shared a little bit of his own personal experiences, and where he shares about the participants within that congregation about the experiences. The book of Ephesians is... um, is a book that, is, that Paul wrote that's very formal in his format. And Paul write to the Ephesians and he ministered to this church. And he, on his second journey to, Ephes- to Ephesia, he stayed for a while with them. And he's seen many coming to Christ and to know him. And Paul was actually the gospel got so advanced that it started to create friction into the community. The people who has started, who created idol worship elements has started to create a riot against this gospel that started to be preached. And the gospel has infiltrated the Ephesians and it has taken shape in their lives. And Paul finds it important to write to this Ephesian church and he shares his book. Literally, it's part, two parts that he's speaking to them. The first part of this book focuses on the theologicalness of God's family, of we are called out of sin, out of darkness, into family with God. Through Christ Jesus, we are part of a community. And then in the second part of this book, Paul makes it very practical and he says, the former leads to the latter. And he says, as we embrace this, as we're living this, as we are this community that God has built us to be, if we walk in community with one another, as we embrace Christ and what he has done for us, it will eventually flow out into our lives, into our communities, our societies, into the world. And Paul says, this gospel has impacted your lives and it needs to go further than just yourselves. There is no such thing as a non-serving follower of Christ. There is no such thing as I'm a Christian and I'm not serving. That is the core of who we are. And part of what Paul writes in Ephesians is about the fact that we are called to serve. And that is what we're going to focus on today. We are all called to today. We are all called to minister. You and I were made, shaped to serve God. If you can take your Bibles and turn to me to Ephesians 2. We're going to read from Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. All right. And you, and you were dead in the trespasses of the trespasses and sins in which you have once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of obedience, among whom we are all lived in the passions of our flesh, carry out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God reached in mercy because of the great love, love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him to be seated, us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable richness of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in this. Today, we will look at our main text from Ephesians 2, verse 10. This is also our memory verse for this coming week. And I hope as you work through what on earth am I here for, and you're working through that manual, that those memory verses that you actually start to memorize it. Because there's power when we memorize the Word of God. When we contemplate about the Word of God. There's, there's something about it when we, we make the effort to know God's Word. And this is just so beautiful for me. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're going to look today, and I'm going to highlight those four areas that has been underlined and in bold, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In 1944, maybe some of you have watched this movie, Hacksaw Rich. I don't know how many of you had the privilege of watching it. It's about a young man with the name of Desmond Doss who has refused to take up arms after his dad at a young age brought back home the Ten Commandments on a piece of, on a, on a, on a poster and stick it up in his room. And he saw how Cain hit Abel, how he killed Abel. And he sworn to himself and says, I shall not kill. And this young man, a seven-day Adventist, decided that he wants to go to the army. He had the choice. He didn't, he didn't need it to go because he was working on the ships, and for, therefore he was exempted from going to the army. But he chose to go because he wanted to serve. And this young man jumped on the boat. He got trained in 1944. And uh, he's been shipped off to the island, uh, the island of Okuniqua. And this island was 340 miles from the mainland of Japan. 
And as they land there, this is this cliff that has looked like it's been cut by a hacksaw. And they had to put up a cargo net to get to the top of this hill that is about over 102, 107 meters high. And they have to get up this, this heavy um, infiltrated of Japanese on top of this hill. And they have to get up this, this cargo net so that they can take this hill, that they can take this island so that they can establish an airport or an airfield so that they can invade Japan. As they get up here, the machine, the fire, the machine fire was so bad, was so severe, that as the people get up there, they got saw in half. The American soldiers that have died was stuck as high as they can reach for as far as 120 meters. The massacre was immense. This young man single-handedly saved 75 of his wounded soldiers. And he did it by staying all alone with them at night and hosting them down with a rope and saving and lead them to, to, to safety as the Japanese came and killed the wooden soldiers and captured them. And he says that I will not abandon my brothers. I will save them. These very brothers who have thrown him with shoes when he was having his devotion times, the same guys who mocked him, he said, I will not abandon them. I will serve my brothers. Because I vow that as Jesus has saved lives, so I want to save lives. Now, this story of this young man has impacted me very much. This is a true story. You can go and watch it. The movie is uh, directed by uh, Mel Gibson, and it's called Hex or Rich. Really go watch it. It's a phenomenal movie to watch. Uh, my wife just couldn't bear it because of the blood. Uh, <laughs> she, she, said she fell asleep halfway through the movie, and I said, you know, why? I, I thought you were going to watch this with me. She says, no, man. Uh, I'm just closing my eyes for the blood. I said, no, you were sleeping. <laughs> so our scripture, Paul says, that we are God's workmanship. Now this workmanship that Paul is using, yeah, this word that he speaks in the Greek is pion, poenema. And you guessed it right. Yes, that's where our, we get our English word poem from. And Paul says in this word, he says, and Paul only used this word a second time in his letters, and that is in Romans 1 verse 20. And he says, for, the, in, for his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are worth excuse. I believe this young man, so I read up on his life, had this encounter that he was convinced that he is the workmanship of God. He was convinced that he was created and he's created with a purpose. I should just maybe... Turn my notes as I go about. Oh, sorry. The Greek word Paul chose is piomia. And what he had in mind is a work 
of masterful creativity. Paul is saying to us that God has created us, and it's like a poem. He has dreamed about us, but this is not just an imaginary poem. It's a poem that comes to realization. Paul takes five words in Romans 1.20 to describe this word, poem. The poem that God has written about us. What Paul wants you to understand is this. You are an epic poem. A God imagining poemia becoming flesh and spirit. Your poem contains all the comic, comedic and tragic drama of an existence more real and more meaningful than you have ever comprehended. Tiny, insignificant, you are more glorious than the sun and more fascinating than Orion. God has made you. And He has made you with gifts and talents. He has invested into you. Now, I, I had the privilege to be trained by a German craftsman. Now, if you, if you know a little bit about German craftsmanship, is uh, I've been trained in the skill of woodworking. And he would literally, when I came to work for him as an apprentice, he would say to me, listen, you will not touch one of the machines. You will start with hand tools. And he trained me literally from the basic things about woodwork. And he has trained me how to do woodwork. Till I have mastered myself to the place that he says, you are now a craftsman. And I can tell you that every time I made a wooden furniture piece, my wife can tell you we had many of those in our house, the detail that went into it, the thought, the energy that I've put into it, because I know what everyone else will see would be a resemblance of who I am. Because what I have built and what I've made is an extension of who I am. I invested my character into it. And I've built it and I've made it. And if you wanted to offend me, then criticize my product. You can ask my wife, that have got me on my nerves. But I was serious about what I made. And if there was something wrong in it, I will cut it out, put in a new piece till it's perfect. Till I know that I can put my stamp of approval on it. And Paul says this poem, this epic poem of who God has made you to be, God has put his approval on it. The creation speaks more about the creator than the creation itself. When God made you, it's so that we can glorify him. He put gifts and talents in you. So that you can glorify Him. It is not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be hidden away. Or to be hauled from everyone else. God has put something beautiful in each one of us. That's why I appreciate coming together with you on a Sunday. Because on those days I receive from you what God has imparted into you. That's why I appreciate my connect group. That's why I love my family. That's why I love spiritual family. Because what you have, I don't have. But God has built us 
I love the example that Pastor Roger used when he preached. And he says, when he was in Israel, they found these sto- the, the, the tour guide says, you see these stones that's lying here on the ground? That's dead stones. But as soon as they've been placed into the wall, if they've been built, it's called living stones. And that is what we bring, is that gift and that awesomeness that God has created us to be. When we look at the story of Desmond Doss, his life, his character, showed that he understand that God has made him. And he made him unique and special. And he has given him certain gifts. Second point that I want to focus on is the word that Paul is using in Christ. And Paul used this word everywhere in his letters. If you read through Paul's letters, you will see him mention it over and over. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And in Galatians 3, verse 26 to 28, Paul gives us an insight to what he means to be in Christ. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you are were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ is to be baptized in Him. Now what we sometimes see just as a religious act, Jesus saw baptism as to be immersed into the things of God. To be immersed into the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, he see himself immersed into God. Now my wife and myself, we love camping. And the most loveliest thing for us on our camp is our breakfast mornings. When we take out our box of rusks and uh, we dunk it in our coffee. Then, man, if you buy a rusk and you dunk it but it doesn't soak, man, that is not a great rusk. You need to suck your cup empty. That is the rusk. <laughs> now, my mother has taught me how to bake rusks. So, you can ask Natasha. My rusk is quite, it's quite good, eh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we will make that plan. When Paul talks about in Christ, it means that we soak up. We soak up everything in Christ. It means to identify. Now the word identify, I love how the, the dictionary explains it. To put oneself in another's place. So as to understand and share the other's thoughts, feelings, and problems. To identify ourselves with Christ is to start thinking like Him. Our thoughts, our feelings, who we are. We are soaked up in Christ. Now, when I look at this young man, it was absolutely part of his life. He claimed that he took after his mother. She led him to Christ. She taught him how it is, what it is to follow Jesus. He had a devotional life. It was so severe that on the day that they 
the assault would have take, taken place or the, the battle would have, the, the, the victory would have been won was a Saturday. And because he was a seven-day Adventist, he, he refused to work on a Saturday. But he was the only medic left in his battalion. And he says, well, if you will grant me time to, move, to do my devotion, I will go up that hill. And they delay the invasion with hours till he had his devotion done. But this was part of his life. He knew what it was to soak himself in Christ. To identify with Christ means we lay down our lives for others. It is not Jesus. Isn't it Jesus that says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Now this is what we see Desmond has done. That Jesus went to the extreme. He laid down his life while we were still enemies of the cross. While we were not friends even to the cross. He laid down his life for us. Jesus, just before he was betrayed, he met with his disciples in the upper room and had last supper with them. And as he has last supper with them, he takes a bowl and he starts to wash their feet. To identify ourselves with Jesus, we need to think like Jesus. We have to become like him. And he took this bowl and he washed his disciples' feet. And he came to Peter and Peter says, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, I don't wash your feet. You will have no part with me. Friends, Peter needed to understand what it means to serve. And his creator had to show him by washing his feet. Jesus says, this example I'm giving you. Serve one another to be in Christ. To identify with Christ means that we need to serve like Christ. We need to lay down our lives for one another. I have to rush. Paul also says that God has prepared us in advance He says he prepared us to do good works in advance. That prepared means that God wants to walk with us. It means it's something that God wants to do inside of us. In my devotion this week, I was reading about Moses. Where God called him and he says, come, I'll send you. God invited Moses on this journey. And he says, I'll send you. And then later on, God says to him, I'll make you a God to Pharaoh. He called Abram. He says, come Abram. I will make you a blessing to to the nations. He called Isaac and he says, Isaac, I will increase your inherit, your oh my word. Descendants. Thank you, Pastor Lareko. That's why we're family. We will help one another, right? (laughs) He called Joshua, and he says, wherever you put your feet, I will give the land to you. God called us to take us on a journey to prepare us for something great that he has in mind for us. He did it with Desmond Doss. Desmond was told that 
When he was a young man, he would listen to the radio, and there was an accident on the freeway. And they asked for, for people to, to, to donate blood. Desmond would walk three miles to the closest hospital and give blood and walk back. The next day, the call comes again on the radio. Desmond will walk again and give blood and walk the three miles back. God has prepared him for something as Hacksaw Ridge, as an invasion where he will save 75 lives. God has prepared him. He has helped. He had the character of helping one. His mom, when she trained him, she trained him in compassion, how to have compassion. We see that God has did it with Moses. He did it with Abram. He did it with everyone he called. And then Jesus calls us in Matthew 2018. And he says, go therefore and make disciples. When he called his disciples in Mark 1 verse 17, he says, come, follow me. Jesus says, and I'll make you disciples. disciples. I will make you fishers of men. Jesus wants to make every one of us. We just need to take the call to come. He has given us spiritual gifts. He gives us compassion and abilities. He gives us the personality and experiences. I was so encouraged when uh, we moved into our new house. I was changing some locks and... Uh, as I was busy changing these locks, my little boy David came to me and he says, Daddy, can I change this lock with you? And I said, I don't know, I can do this twice as fast, you know. <laughs> I'm the craftsman here. And I looked and I thought, yes, and I said no to this young man. Uh, this is going to take a while. And for a moment, I just bear with it. And I said, yes, please help me. That was one of the most beautiful moments in my life. Even if it take me two hours. But man, it was a joy to do it, my son. That what was invested there, that what was done there, was incredible. When God tells us to come and serve, He does it with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to prepare us in this journey to what He has called us. I'm closing with this. When Paul says, you should walk in it. When we sh you should walk in it. That is not an invitation to say, when you feel like that. It's not an invitation to say, you know, when it, this is inconvenience to you, you have the option not to walk in it. This is a command to walk in it. It's who we are. When Paul used this term, walk in it, he says, listen, you actually have to lift this thing out. This what happened inside here. You're going to have to walk it out. It cannot stay inside. The gifts, the preparation that God has done in you. The poem, the epic poem about your life cannot just stay with you. He wants to prepare you and you have to walk this thing out. And Paul saying to the Ephesians, he says, Man, this great work that God has started in you. Start walking it out, living it out, serve one another, build unity among one another, he says.
this week we did the discipleship training, making disciples training. And Philip Pretorius was here and he said a sentence that struck me so hard. Philip Pretorius, he's our senior pastor from Pretoria Willows Church. And he used this, and I've heard him making this statement before. And he says, how do we make Pharisees? He says, we teach them without an expectation to obey. We teach them without an expectation to obey. When Jesus asks us to go, when he tells us to serve one another, we are not Pharisees. We are disciples. Matthew 28, 19 says, he says, therefore go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to do what? To obey everything I have commanded you. I'm posing to you today, friends, that that Jesus that lives within us, we have no option to walk this thing out. Because out of our relation and out of our love for Him, our works will flow. We are servants. Jesus says to his disciples, just before he was betrayed, he says, do not be like the leaders of this world. He says, the greatest among you need to be the least and need to serve. Friends, the gospel is a story and it's God's story of Jesus who come to this earth and lay down his life. He who was the king of kings. Choose to lay down his comfort. To come and serve us. That gospel cannot go unheard. Without us responding back to God. Because our hearts is filled with gratitude. I know I once was lost. But now. I'm found. I deserve the cross. But Jesus came and he saved me from that. There is so much gratitude inside this heart that I cannot, and I believe this man does could not otherwise, as to say, I cannot. I want to lay down my life for others. I want to serve as much as I can. Because this gospel has touched me so deeply. Friends, we don't have an option. It's many mornings that I will wake up, and, and this is my last closure, sorry. <laughs> it's many mornings that I, on a Sunday morning, or whenever I need to serve, that I feel like I don't feel like this. I felt like that this morning. I was tired. It's many times that I wake up that I say to myself, you, can I not just call in? You know what, I will not compromise. Because the first time I make an apology, the second apology becomes easier. The third one became much easier. The fourth one is not an apology anymore. The fifth one is I do not serve. I start sitting in the bench. I will not compromise. This gospel that Jesus has called me needs to be left out. It needs to be working out of my life. I want to call you today and say, if you do not serve, don't you want to put this gospel in action?
Don't you want to take it up and say, Lord, I want to do this. The joy is unspeakable when I serve. When I get alongside brothers and sisters and I get to serve them on a Sunday or whenever, the joy is unspeakable. I wish that for each one of us that we will experience the joy unspeakable. So let's close with prayer. Can you stand with me, please? If this is a moment for you where you say, Lord, I need to take an account of my life. If this is a moment where you say, Lord, I have been, I have not been serving. I have not fulfilled and I did not live out who you've made me to be. I want to give you the opportunity. Bible says that you just take repentance. We cannot confess Jesus with our mouths and call him Lord, Lord, and don't do what he says. If you feel like you have said Lord, Lord, but didn't do what he says, this is a moment where Jesus says, let's make it right. Let's make it right. Moment of repentance. And it's so easy to say, Lord Jesus, here I am. If that is you, can you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Simple prayer of saying, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me that I was not a serving follower of Christ. That I thought that this was an option. That I can choose if I want to serve or not. That's you. Don't you want to raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Dear Lord, we come and we say, Father, we're sorry. Sorry that we're not all in, Lord. Sorry that we had excuses. Sorry, Lord, that We thought this was an option. Forgive us, Lord. But Lord, we say, help us. Help us to live out those gifts and talents that you have given us. Because you want to walk with us. You want to prepare us for greatness, dear God. As you did with Moses. As you did with Joshua. As you did with Abram, as you did with Joseph, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Teach us. Walk with us. Make us, Lord. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.